Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. In today's interview, we are joined by Dan Swift. He is the founder and CEO of Empire Selling. Dan has over 20 years of leadership experience spanning sales, marketing, and business development. He helped successfully launch LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Tune in to hear some tips and tricks on how to get the most out of LinkedIn. As always, if you enjoy the episode, leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, is that easy way of getting started? Can you uh, tell everybody uh, about your background, what you're doing with Empire, and um, kind of give us the, the cliff notes on, on Dan Swift? <laughs> We'd be happy to. Thank you. So, um, so yeah, I, I Dan Swift, I, I launched a company called Empire Selling three years ago, but my, uh, my journey started 20 years ago. So back in 1998 was my first day in business, and I started my career doing door-to-door sales um, in Australia. So um, I was dropped into su- suburbs in and around the, uh, the city of Sydney and knocking on doors to try and get people to uh, convert from a local to a regional telephone line, something like that. I don't even remember what it was, but I was terrible at it. And then I moved into um, a telesales role and then found my way 20 years later to running a sales training and go-to-market transformation company. So it's been a, an interesting ride, but the the pivot, I think, in my career was in 2012. I joined LinkedIn, and I joined LinkedIn to help them launch a social selling business and bring a product called LinkedIn Sales Navigator to market. So, yeah, I spent three fantastic years there, learned a lot, and I'm now teaching a lot of people what I learned um, through what we do day to day. Yep. You certainly taught me a lot. And so I, I do want to talk about LinkedIn and do's and don'ts and tips and tricks, but you know, tell us a little more about Empire and you know some of the I guess the issues that you're helping solve for for the your customers. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of companies will come to us um, with different kinds of challenges. The one we hear most often are companies that maybe didn't grow up in the digital age, but they need to modernize a lot of what they do in terms of engaging with customers. So we're teaching a lot of salespeople. Um, so those are sales development reps or account managers and sales leaders, really how to leverage social media and digital tools to really engage customers in the way that they want to be engaged today. And um, so those are the more traditional companies, but we're also teaching a lot of companies now who's who were born in the digital age. Um, and the, a lot of the sellers grew up with digital, but they don't have that deep um, experience of selling. So we're really operating with companies at both ends of the spectrum and a lot of companies in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were talking before we actually started recording, but um, where I thought this would be beneficial is is kind of an experience that I had within COVID. A lot of HR professionals had reached out to try to leverage the network that I had, and, and they all kind of admitted, you know, I never really focused a lot maybe on my LinkedIn profile or networking in general, and it's uh, it's it's very important. And, you know, LinkedIn has kind of become the top spot for finding talent and and networking. And you have a lot of uh, experience with it. So I I do want to talk about a few things and we'll start with your profile and the Mm -hmm. content that that maybe is on there and and how that can help you in your your career journey. 
For sure, absolutely. So, and it's so interesting as well because our day to day target audience, what we do, our salespeople, but everything that we teach salespeople is totally relevant to HR professionals. Um, so, so yeah, think about your profile and think about the sheer number of people on LinkedIn. So, it's something now like 750 million people around the world, right? Which is absolutely phenomenal. And then you think about the fact that essentially your profile is the first thing that someone's going to see and they're going to judge judge you on what they see in less than a second. And think about when you look at someone's profile on your phone, right? You'll have a very quick look, you'll make a decision, you'll maybe make a scroll and have a look based on that first impression. So it really, really does matter. And I remember when I was at LinkedIn and one of my leaders at the time said to me, you should look into it more about why LinkedIn members join LinkedIn and then what they could do in terms of migrating their profile for more, more of a resume or a CV to more of their professional reputations. And that's a lot of what I think people listening today can, can think through is, is do I literally just have a cut and paste job of my, of my resume or a CV on my LinkedIn profile? Or is there more to it than that? Am I telling someone more about um, my experience, my background, what I do outside of work, who I am as a human being, and am I attaching myself to the to, to the corporate assets that maybe my company wants to get out there too? And it's, it's a blend now. It's who you are as an individual, as a human being, but also, yeah, of course, what you do day to day and your work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I was just going to say that the the branding, you know, as we as we tie things back to HR, <clears throat> there's the networking, it's building out your profile, but also HR also in, in some aspects kind of owns the brand when, I mean, when it comes to recruiting, right? So it's, I do want to talk more about what sort of content you want to have on the page as a, Mm -hmm. you know, personally, but also maybe for other members of, of your team. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we talk about branding, Jess, go ahead and ask your question. Yeah. Well, mine is, is kind of in tandem with this. So maybe Maybe we'll just fully load unload on you right now, and then sure, we'll re- we'll remember how much of our questions you remembered yeah. as you're going through and answering them all. But to Mike's point, you know, and to some of the points that you had just made a moment ago, Dan, you know, there there is functionality on LinkedIn such as uploading projects. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously the giving people accolades or acknowledging them for skills that you've experienced before, mm-hmm. and then I also imagine. Um, just like other social media platforms that LinkedIn has an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And so I'd also be really um, curious for you to talk about, you know, people that are job searching, or maybe they are in sales and they want to make sure that their profile is coming up more frequently, Mm -hmm. what you would typically recommend to them? Like, should they be going out and, you know, liking a lot of articles and people that they see, should they be posting to their, Mm -hmm. to their feed more frequently to pop up things of that nature? I'd be curious about your opinion on as well. Yeah, absolutely. How long have you got? (laughs) Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, uh, to unpack there. So I think the first thing I think about when it comes to the association with the organization that employs you is when you think of the profile template itself behind your picture, there's that all of that gray LinkedIn real estate and use that for something, right? So if you are um, a recruiter, as an example, working for a company, then that company might have some already branded uh, LinkedIn backgrounds that you can drop in behind there because from a candidate experience, the candidate wants to um, be impressed by you as a recruiter and feel excited about speaking to you and that company, you attach yourself to the, the brand of the company. 
Um, and then also LinkedIn, maybe last year, launched um, featured content. So again, as a candidate looking to recruit his profile, um, what are those assets? Are there videos? Are there um, a vision video? Are there um, the open positions? That, you, that, that real estate in terms of um, featured content should be leveraged by, um, by recruiters so candidates can get a bit of a feel for the company. And even the about section of, the, of your profile as a recruiter, part of the candidate experience, right, is buying into the recruiter, him or herself, and the company and, and trusting that person. So we teach a lot in that about section to write a little bit about your experience, obviously a little bit about the organization, a little bit about who you are as a human being outside of work. So the candidate's like, hmm, okay, well, this person feels like the kind of person I can trust and build a relationship with, and they've attached themselves to the corporate brand. And is that's all part of that candidate experience. And then on the candidate side, when you start thinking about all the things that you can do with your profile to be found by recruiters, but also make that great first impression, it's everything I've just said, plus getting endorsed for the key skills that recruiters would care about by your network. Anything that you're particularly proud of that is in the public domain that you could put as projects, again, to um, build that credibility. And that's all your profile. Then you think about... Um, how do I get people to even come to my profile? Obviously, they can search for me and I can be found. But you start thinking about, well, what content should I be sharing? And what should I be posting on LinkedIn? And what should I personally be doing? But also, should I be engaging with other people's content? Um, so I don't know whether you want to go there now or you want to pivot in a different direction. You, you tell me. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious in understanding not only what kind of content they should be posting, but then you had also made the comment, Dan, about how often they should be engaging mm -hmm. with other people's content. And then kind of to the point that Mike made, if they're being very specific about what kind of industry or company that they want to work for, sh should they be conscientious of the type of content they are engaging with? Like is mm -hmm. some content better content than other content? Uh, given their personal brand and and what their ultimate what their ultimate objectives are, yeah, absolutely. So engaging with someone's content on LinkedIn gets you on their radar, right? That's the reason for really doing it. And if you are in the market, and so many people I know have gotten their their ideal career jobs uh, roles by taking this approach. And they'll go and find not necessarily the HR leaders or hiring managers, but the senior executives at a company and start engaging with the content that they're putting out there. So it might be a few likes here and there, a few loves, because obviously you get likes, celebrations, the you know the, all those different um, responses, but also commenting, right? So, but it's but it's not just when you look at the the uh, the comments underneath a lot of posts, it's like great share, great article, thanks for that, appreciate you posting. It's like come on, read it. And then if you're going to do anything, like let's respond in a way that sh a genuine way that shows you've actually done it and you, and you care. So it's doing that to get on the radar of a lot of executives and then also being confident enough to send a connection request to someone like that on LinkedIn, but customize it. So say something like, hi, Sally, I enjoyed your, your post on X and I've been following you for the last couple of um, months. Um, really appreciate everything you put out on LinkedIn would welcome the opportunity to have you in my network. And, and that's it. Nothing else, but do something. And then when the recipient gets it, um, then obviously their choice still, but more likely to accept if you've been engaging in their content or with their content for um, a period of time. 
So that's kind of the, the, the proactive stuff in terms of engaging with other people's. And then there's your own content strategy. So um, I hope this is helpful. We teach a 50-25-25 rule. And if you're going to think about posting, a lot of people think, well, the easiest thing to post is my own corporate content. So whatever my company is giving me to share, um, anything at all about the company, which is fine, that's good, it's easy. But I would encourage people listening to think about taking a more of a diversified approach or a bit more of a blended strategy. So maybe you should be, if 50% is corporate stuff, 25% should be industry content. So whoever you are trying to engage or um, whoever you want to engage with your content, think about what they might want to read day to day, what they probably are already reading day to day from those kind of sources, and then start being the person that shares that content. So they start relying on your content in their feed. And even personal content, that's the final 25. I, I, I share a lot on um, elevating women in business, compassionate leadership. I do a lot of work with military vets who are transitioning out of the military into civilian life. Those are my, my, my professional passions. So whenever I see something on the BBC website or Forbes or Harvard Business Review or something like that on those topics, I want to share that with my network too because I want to humanize myself to anyone in my network who sees my content feed. So they get a bit of an understanding of who I am. You take that approach as well as engaging with other people's content. And very quickly, people talk a lot about visibility creates opportunity. That's exactly what that, that means. You've got to be visible to, um, for people, for opportunities to find you. How often would you say people should be posting content? I mean, you got the 50, 50 rule or 50, 25. Mm-hmm. that uh daily weekly like how, how often depends what they're trying to do if, if you're trying to become a, a micro influencer um or even more than that then a couple of times a day taking that blended approach and, and, and infusing a lot of your own material you know you talking to the camera about topics that you're passionate about if that's your goal if your goal is to have a presence uh, then it really should be something one article a day. It really has to be to to for the algorithm to allow you to show up in enough people's feed uh, feeds enough of the time. Um, and a lot of people are like should be probably are thinking right now, wow, I can't do that. Where am I going to get that sort of content from? Well, when you actually get past that and you actually think about what it is, it's one post. Everyone reads something every day from some sort of source in one of those three buckets. And I actually post all of my content through a scheduling tool on a Sunday night after the kids have gone to bed with a nice bourbon. And, and it's set for the week. It's scheduled at the best times, at the optimal times, which, by the way, um, morning and early afternoon for most um, most countries. And it allows you to set it and then not forget it because you want to see who engages with it. But you don't have to worry about it you know, during the week. It's kind of happening. So morning, early afternoon, that's mm. the peak yep. time to, to post stuff. In most countries around the world, yeah, most countries, yeah. Okay. And then as far as, the, you know, you t- we've talked about, like, pictures. I mean, you hear, I mean, mm-hmm. as, even as uh, the pandemic hit and people are like, okay, you should change your suit out for your profile picture and mm-hmm. put on a T-shirt because it's more reflective of you mm-hmm. know, what's going on today. Talk to me about, talk to us about the do's and don'ts, uh, you know, within LinkedIn, Mm-hmm. Maybe beyond just like you should have good lighting for your photo, right? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. We actually did some research on this. And despite the last 12 months and us all working from home, people still expect you in your LinkedIn photograph to still wear what you'd wear to a, a business meeting. So on mine, it's the uh, the white shirt and the blue blazer. That was my my go-to. 
Uh, and that's what's in my, my LinkedIn profile. So you really should still have that. That's the, still the expectation. I think that some of the other tactical things around the do's and don'ts of LinkedIn, the don'ts are definitely don't just send those blind um, connection requests to people with no customization because it puts the onus on the recipient to figure out who are you? Why are you reaching out? Do I accept? Do I not? Like make it easy for the person. So, you know, customize it for sure. I think it's it's caring as well, knowing that whether you're in the market or not, like take the time for, for, for a new role or a job change, like have the best version of yourself out on LinkedIn because you might be in what you think is the best role or best position for you right now, but you don't know if there's something better out there and, and there'll be people looking all the time. And so many people in my network, because they've taken time to invest in their presence and their profile and share a bit of content, they're getting um, all sorts of fantastic opportunities coming to them. And they weren't looking. But six months later, they're in a new position at their dream job at an amazing company. So you you got to care, you know. Absolutely. What about if somebody is potentially looking for a new role? I, I know LinkedIn, you can secretly kind of say I'm... I'm open to opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I don't know if everybody kind of understands that. I've, I've seen some mistakes out there where somebody will like, mm-hmm. you know, yes. profile, I'm looking and they're like, oh crap, you know, I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's a public and a, and a private version of it. And um, the public one, if you are currently out of work and looking, then obviously we recommend the open to work one. But then there's settings as well that allow recruiters to uh, find folks who are looking for people like yourself. And um, yeah, I mean, both are both are great ways of recruiters finding you. But it's, 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 it's not just those settings as well. I think it's also the tactical things of um, recruiters still will search for candidates or profiles of people that have certain words in them or certain sections of their profile say certain things. So again, it's 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 dropping um, essentially trigger words into your about section or your current experience section for not just what you're doing currently, but also what you kind of like to be doing. Um, so you could be found by those people as well. Regarding the uh, profile page, too, just a couple more questions about mm. that, Dan. So you know, you talked about the picture, not only the profile picture, but then kind of the gray box area mm-hmm. that you can populate with an image. But then underneath the profile image, there's also kind of like, I don't know, it's called a a summary or description, but it's kind of like an open box context. And I see that box being used for all sorts of Mm -hmm. different reasons. You know, maybe a recruiter might put like mission and vision of the company that they work Mm -hmm. for, you know, kind of give a plug for, you know, the or what the organization stands for. Um, maybe somebody uses it as sort of like their personal branding section where they mm-hmm. might put something above and beyond what their um, credentials and their LinkedIn say. So I would love what your thoughts are on kind of how to best utilize that space. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, you'll see a variety of people just putting in companies that they've worked for mm-hmm. without expanding on specific things that they are responsible for underneath it. And then some people kind of going, crazy, you know, to, to the mm-hmm. point that we made at the, at the top of the hour about, you know, actually like cutting and pasting their CV or their resume right. into that space. Yeah. I love it. So, um, so the about section is called, uh, it used to be the summary you're right. And then all your experience current and previous. So we actually have a, a set structure for your about section that I think could be quite helpful for people. So think of your about section in four paragraphs. 
and they can be brief and people can go and check out you know my LinkedIn profile to get an idea of what I'm talking about. But the first pr- uh, paragraph, think of it as your experience. Think of it as an executive summary of what you've done in your entire career. Maybe what you started out doing, what you know, kind of what you're doing, it should end in what you're doing now, but a couple of lines. Your second paragraph, really, we teach, should be the um, the the about for your company. In sales, we call it the elevator pitch. Like, what is it that you're gonna you want someone to know about your organization you're currently at right now? The third one is the the human bit. So again, a couple of lines on what you do outside of work. So if you look at mine, I'm talking a lot about being a terrible golfer. I'm trying to hang my hat on being a great former rugby player, um, and um, I'm a family man. I got two kiddies, so. I humanize myself to the um, to the market um, and, and the network. And then the final, the fourth one is a call to action. So I'm proactively saying to people in my about section, if I can be of any assistance, um, just you know, feel free to send me a connection request and I'm, I'm making myself accessible. So think of it in those four sections and think about it. And when someone then looks at um, that about section, they're kind of scrolling down the phone, the experience is, okay, credibility, because that's your experience, the, the first little bit. Then it's the uh, well, what, where is the company now? It, what, what where what company is he at? He at now, and what's he doing there? Then it's the personal piece. So who is he as a human being? And then okay, this person seems pretty approachable. That kind of so there is a there's a flow to it. And then the experience piece, we actually don't teach um, anything around cutting and pasting CVs and resumes. It's actually more about cutting and pasting the about section from each of the companies that you worked at now and in the past, because then recruiters have context. So everyone knows what a sales exec is or account manager is or a marketing rep is or whatever it is. So they know what the title is. They want to know what are the companies that you've worked at and what, uh, and learn a little bit about those companies. So they have the context as well. And then maybe just a couple of lines about key achievements, but nothing more than that. And save that for the conversation with, um, with the recruiter. And the about set the about section will get you the conversations with the recruiter if you do that well. Not not all the bullet points in the experience. Yeah, well, I I have like ten more questions I want to ask you, but I know that mm-hmm. we're we're going to wrap up here. So, is there anything else you know, knowing kind of what our listener base is that you f- you feel would be important to share with our audience that we haven't touched on yet yeah, today? Definitely one big thing. So. Networking itself, building and nurturing your network for now, but also the medium and long term. Find a way to make this a habit, which is to connect on LinkedIn, send those connection requests to every single person every single day that you have any form of meaningful business or personal interaction with. Build your networks. That might be internal meetings. It might be if you're in, in um, uh, with uh, with candidates, with hiring managers, with your peers in the industry, people that you meet at events whoever it is, people that you mean in your personal life, people you play tennis with, golf with, walking down the lane with your daughter and you bump into a neighbor, connect with them, right? Because it's amazing who knows who. And when you start then sharing content and posting on LinkedIn, your network is bigger and more relevant um, and people will start engaging more with your content. But if you ever need to ask someone on LinkedIn for an introduction to someone, um, then Again, if you're building your network in the way that I've described, you're going to have all sorts of opportunities to get introduced to so many more people. But if you don't build your network, uh, that doesn't happen. But don't just build it, nurture it, right? So um, you can't rely on someone to introduce you to someone else if you haven't spoken to them in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So acknowledge birthdays, acknowledge job changes, acknowledge life events, but don't be lazy. 
right? Don't just say happy birthday like everyone else does, right? Actually send them a, a thoughtful note. And you can't do this to everyone in your networks. It's, you'd spend, you know, eight hours a day on LinkedIn, but do it for the folks that you really want to maintain a close relationship with because you do. And then when you need them, they're there for you. Yeah. That's exceptional advice. Thank you, Dan. Well, obviously it's, it's clear that our listeners can find you on LinkedIn. That is yeah, there. I hope is so. There, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there any place else that you like to connect with your followers? So LinkedIn is very much my, my, uh, my space for sure. Um, but, uh, if people want to learn more about empire and what we do, then empireselling.com is the, uh, the shameless plug. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is, is, is my, my place. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Dan. It was a pleasure. Great speaking to you as well. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.